our story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path to the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies in the Brass Citadel this episode are... Hey, I'm Paul. And guys, did you know that Corgus loves to dance? I did not know. No. You, you might have even heard the song he loves to dance to. It, it's it's uh, Jungle Boogie, you know, by, by Corgus Cole and the gang. <laughs> shut up. You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Will. I gotta be honest. This book feels like home. Coming from Iowa, there's nothing I love more than seeing all this corn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm Aaron, and uh, I wanted to say that the listeners mean so much to me that I would bleed for them, but it felt too corny. And in this episode, we cover the lore of the Blades of Corn battle tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of rage, ask questions, and high blood pressure. And then if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those red boys. How are you tonight, my fellow Bloodbound? Doing good. You, you can't Doing great. Thumbs up. Yeah. It's, the podcast. it's all visual cues, right? Hey, I felt like I needed to give thumbs up. I'm giving thumbs up all the time. Double thumbs up. You must really liked it. Five stars. Um, Hey, guys, how is it going? I guess I already sort of asked that question. We are here to uh, talk about the Blades of Corn. Check one more battle tome off our great list. I just looked it up moments ago, listeners. This is the second to last army that we have not covered, uh, which is crazy because corn has been around so for so very, very long. Um, It almost seemed redundant at this point, but it's not redundant for all you corn fans. We got to dive deep. into the or uh, lake so, of corn yeah. yeah i mean essentially i don't want to hold your breath um <laughs> so um get ready for a, a good one my my friends dear listeners um but before we do i'm gonna ask these gentlemen hey guys uh what you been up to in the hobby lately what's been new will let's start with you kind of going out of order a little bit um yeah it's been a while since you chatted what's up man it's true yeah so i have just been painting up my slaves of darkness um that's been kind of like the main focus of like my painting and assembling hobby but i've also been spending a lot of time looking at the new regiments of renown Mm -hmm. and looking at how to make more regiments of renown i just feel (laughs) like what they gave us wasn't enough and it didn't cover everything people wanted like for example there's no ogre mercenaries and i feel like that's a crime yeah should have been list number one on the list not wrong not wrong at all um paul what you what you been up in the hobby in the hobby space? What you been doing? Um, well, I've been working on my squiggle inch. Um, I've been been working on it for uh, Path of Glory, Path of Story. So you're gonna hear about this a lot because you know <laughs> it's a <laughs> long going project. Uh, but it's a fun thing. Um, Harry is also working on some squigs too, which he isn't supposed to be doing because he's supposed to be working on his dark oath. But he's working on squigs. And it was funny because we uh, we were just talking about it, and he's doing his squigs in a like Bretonian scheme. <laughs> so he's using masking tape to make like barding and stuff like that. And I think like, you oh. mean Gittonian. True, true. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, uh, Chris Peach taught me how to do that by watching his videos. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't think about it, but like my Cathardian cavalcade also they're all blind; they have uh, cloths over their eyes. Also using masking tape, also because I was talking to Chris Peach and was like, hey, you should just use masking tape for that. And I'm like, cool, cool then. So we've got two um, Chris Peach-inspired squigglanch army conversions going uh, for Path to Story. So that's super fun. You're going to have to pay him some royalties. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'm not a lawyer, but... uh, (laughs) Get it. (laughs) Uh, Fun stuff. Um, I guess maybe now, do you, do you have any guys? So this episode should, it should come out before 
uh, Adepticon. Do you guys have any Adepticon thoughts that you want to share um, with these listeners uh, of the story phase uh, before we before we hit it up? Any thoughts? Anything you want to bring up? I am super pumped to see everybody. People have been sending in a couple questions about lore and more um, for the Gibbering Dome, so it's been it's been fun. Not not too many rules questions, thankfully, because we're doing narrative, so it's like, all right, we'll we'll be okay. But um, there's there's always a uh, it's an interesting thing that we learned last year is that um, we have to kind of cleanse people from the match play rules to play narrative <laughs> because, <It's so> <laughs> because it's a different battle pack. And so people want to play the match play rules in the narrative games, which is totally fine and great if your opponent agrees to it. But if your opponent doesn't agree to it, then it's like, well, we got to figure out some stuff. So um, so it actually allows for some cool lists where you don't have to have battle line and you don't have to use grand strategies and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so people can do some really fun off the wall stuff. And so answering a couple of those questions of like, do we have to follow battle line? Nope. Do we have to, you know have an army list no you have to have an order of battle and like trying to define those different things um to help make sure that people understand what's going on and like have an enjoyable experience so it's it's been fun because we've doubled the size since last year so um we've got a decent amount of questions about that so that's been fun to talk to people about that and get excited about the event itself so well well, you got any thoughts you'll be there Um, just to add that yeah Twice as many people means twice as much fun, hopefully. Uh, and maybe two point five as much fun. Maybe two point five, yeah. Multiplies, yeah. Exactly. It's it's exponential. Mm-hmm. There you uh, go. So eventually, we're going to reach uh, unlimited fun here mm-hmm. in the next few years. But we're just sort of slowly building up to that point. It's going to solve the energy crisis, I bet you. <laughs> yeah, that amount of hype it can't be contained. <laughs> It cannot. Um, all right. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, this time I'll actually be able to stay that whole day because I think last time I left a little early, but I get to watch the, the whole proceedings uh, and contribute in no way um, whatsoever. <laughs> Just purely mooching off of that enjoyment. 2.4 amount of fun. Uh, because I'm going to take that last point one for myself. Um, so uh, looking forward to it. As far as uh, hobby goes, I'm not really a hobby guy. What do I do from the hobby perspective? I'm still working on Warcry terrain, those sweet, sweet um, trees and that whole tablescape. I finished the first box finally, uh, Heart of Gur, and now we have moved on to whatever that second box is called, Sundered Fate. Um Yes. Which is going to be just a lot more trees. I feel like some of it's a little bit repetitive. I'm not looking forward to that part of it, but I am looking forward to having a table full of weird carnivorous trees that just want to eat you. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? Yeah, right? I mean, right? it just goes without saying. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. So uh, we do have a story phase. We are going to talk about a battle tone, but before we do, I'm going to do my little plug. I'm going to do my little plug for the show that you're already listening to, dear listeners. I apologize for that. But in case you had forgotten, um, you can find more episodes of this very podcast, The Story Phase, um, and all our other shows, which is that there's like a whole bunch. There's too many to count even. That's not true. There's Dogs of War Cry. It's what the heck. It's Path to Story. Um, they can find all of those shows at themortalrealms.com. Um, you can email us your feedback at mortalrealms at gmail.com. Know the or maybe the, I don't know where the the goes, but no, 
just keep the the off on the email. Um, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash the mortal realms, uh, to support the show, um, get early releases of the story phase, which is this show. Um, and also you can get access to what is now going to be more exclusive, um, content like the pocket realms, which are the short story phases that Davey and I do. Uh, I think we recently released one. I've got another one that needs to be edited that I've been putting off. Um, so those are coming, coming back hot and heavy. And then if you don't, one to pitch in monetarily, which is totally fine. I mean, who's in this economy? Um, then head on over to your <laughs> podcast service of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts or, I guess, Google Podcasts. I think Spotify probably has a rating system, too. Uh, give us a review. Give us a star. Give us whatever you'd like. Uh, and then take one step further and tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Uh, tell your enemies. Um, tell <laughs> whoever you'd like about the show and all of our shows, because it really helps. I really appreciate it. That's a plug for that thanks for listening thanks for bearing with me um now we can get into the story phase uh provided paul is willing to take us there the story phase in the story phase we delve into the stories characters creatures and environments of the nine realms i knew i could count on you thank goodness paul's here um all right blades of corn it's been a long time coming. What it, it's it, such a storied history in the mortal realms. I feel like we got to dive right into it. Um, but before we do, you thought I forgot, but I didn't. Guys, my favorite segment of all time, and it goes a little something like this. I would like you two to provide uh, gift wrapped on a silver platter. Nope, mixing up my metaphors. Um, <clears throat> your best one sentence summary to sum up. That's a summary. Sum up uh, the blades of corn as a faction, as a race, as a a bunch of ne'er-do-wells in the mortal realms. How would you summarize this faction in one sentence? Uh, we're going to have Paul, in this case, give us his best shot. Lead, lead us off. Murdering, murdery, murderers. Murdering mundanes uh, for their skulls. Multifaceted. They, within them, they contain multitudes. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Will, uh, take that, absorb it, and then uh, re... I don't know, recycle it into your own one sentence. Yeah. Of the Blades of Corn. Uh, you know, they're just ordinary people. They have to go get food for their family. They go down to the store. They beat some people up. They grab some blood. They grab some skulls. You know, they're just like you and I. <laughs> More than I care to admit, Ashley. Um, so, they're having yeah, a all cannibal. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took me a second. But no, I, okay. Um, all right, all right, all right. So one sentence summaries. It sounds like there's some violence involved. There's a little bit of blood, a little bit of skulls, a little bit of uh, uh, involuntary life taking, uh, probably. Uh, involuntarily life taking. That's the most PC <laughs> version of murder I've ever heard. What happened? Oh, there was some involuntary well, life taking. M word, not in this. I mean, this is 2023, Paul. You got to choose your words carefully. Yeah. I mean, um, I literally used it three times in my one sentence summary. Yeah, and I'm bleeping every single yeah, one. We of only them. have, we only get 10 before <laughs> we get rated. Before yeah. we get rated. We, the new term is the involuntary skull donation. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to run out super quick. <laughs> Moiter. All right. Um, so that, with that being said, uh, <laughs> We can talk about the history of the Blades of Corn in that they've been around for so very, very long. They've had, I don't know, they might, after Stormcast, possibly have the most battle tomes. I shouldn't say stuff like that if I can't back it up with the actual numbers. Um, I'm sure somebody will correct me at one point. They're up there at the very least. Yeah. Um, and so must be a lot of history. must be a lot of stuff that folks ought to know about those um, 
corn followers, so let's get to it. Um, look back. We're going to cast our eyes in the beginning, in the age of myth. What what did the age of myth mean for the blades of corn? How did we get here? How did the followers of corn, how did corn himself like interact with the mortal realms? Um, what was the age of myth like for Cornish people? No, that's that. Those are real people. That you can't say it that way. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds. You have now insulted an entire people. All yeah, right. Yes. And they live on a peninsula. They have pirates. They're from Penzance. I know these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> it won't. They won't be the first, and they also won't be the last. So, um, all right, Age of Myth, guys, talk me through it. What, what was that like for these folks? So they were just sort of getting started uh, in the Age of Myth. For the most part, like the demons of corn. They were all doing the whole great game thing. Uh, all the chaos gods were all fighting each other. They were having a good time. And then as Sigmar started finding the mortal realms, they started finding out about the mortal realms and started like slowly getting their way in there just because they feed off emotions. So I'm, I'm sure for Corn it was a huge party. They were fighting all their best friends. And then they found another party coming along here real quick. A I want to tell you party. Yeah. So I've got an existential question. So is this all Sigmar's fault? Is like no. all of chaos, all Sigmar's fault? Would the mortal Only... realms be totally fine if he hadn't just shown up riding this dragon out of space then started telling everybody they needed to care about things? I will say it's Sigmar's fault in the same way a lawyer would argue your car wouldn't have been hit if you didn't park on that corner. True, yeah. Like yeah. kind of, but I mean, who's going to say that? Especially to him, to his face. You did this, right. Sigmar. Um, I dare you. <laughs> it's interesting for the, like from a Chaos God perspective and that they predate a lot of these ages, right? We know that they harken back to the old world and even, you know, time before that. It seems as if they're, you know, infinite in- entities uh, at this point. And so it's hard to even get a grasp on what the origins of these factions are because they, they predate time, they predate space, they predate all this stuff. Um, however, as it relates to the moral realms, as we know, the Chaos gods didn't have much involvement or inroads in the mortal realms until to your point we're making here is that sigmar started you know founding stuff adding a little bit of civilization and with that comes you know negative emotion um i think the book makes it a point to say that it's uh was easy for corn to make inroads because so much of even the most um I don't know, the peace loving or, you know, even with the goal of peace or the goal of order in these mortal realms, it, it is attained by violence, by bloodshed. And that's corn's mm-hmm. like, that's like his, his like favorite thing basically. Yeah. Um, and so it was almost inevitable that you were going to attract his attention and, and grant him egress into the realms because you're doing the things that he, he thrives off of. And so um, I guess we're kind of getting to the point of we're getting closer to the age of chaos, but I thought that was interesting or maybe it was noteworthy <laughs> how unnoteworthy it was, because I feel like some of the other chaos gods, we got like creative ways as to how they made, um, you know, entry into the moral realms. It was a little bit more insidious where, I mean, at least one of them was always going to be this very obvious, like blunt force, punch a hole through like the realms because people are killing people. And that's what corn ended up being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't build a city peacefully while your neighbors are orcs. Like, they're going to want to fight you. And as soon as you fight back, corn shows up. Yeah. And it, uh-uh. it's easy to say that uh, to me that like corn is the easiest God to accidentally summon. Right. Cause like no. you just fight with somebody else. Right. And like somebody dies and that's it. Right. You don't even have to necessarily have obsession or disease or anything else going on, or you just have to, to 
be disagreeing with someone else, right? And yeah. as soon as somebody dies, all right, corn cares not from where the blood flows. I think, I know you don't like this, Aaron, but talking about the rules of the game, they didn't go far enough. I think I think every game you play, regardless of who's on the battlefield, if it's Stormcast and Oryx, you should still generate blood tithe points and still accidentally summon corn. <laughs> That's cool. Do Stormcast like actually generate blood tithe points though? Because they don't have any blood. They can bleed. It's just sure. you can't get their skulls when they're done. Nobody makes them bleed their own blood. Didn't Yakto's golden mane? Didn't he have a skull though? Like, wasn't that if uh, if if they are significantly like monumentally and impressively killed, sometimes skulls can be left behind. Is it if you really, 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 really want? If you really want them to leave a skull, they'll leave a skull for you. They're, they're kind of nice and polite like that. <laughs> My skull, my lady. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's why Gordrak has a couple skulls on his uh, his uh, body. True, so. true. Um, so I feel like we're we're getting close to the age of cast, but I don't want to go there yet. I'm curious if, if you guys had any age of myth stories that uh, jumped out at you. Yeah, chat about. Uh, I've got one. Uh, there's one story that, like I mentioned early on, early age of myth, chaos was fighting itself. So there's the story of Zinch, Nurgle, and the Great Horned Rat teaming up against Corn luring them to essentially neutral realm of chaos, which I didn't know existed. Me neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they ambush them and kill them all. But because this is a corn book, it's not, you know, the great strategy or the amazing trick. It's called the coward's alliance. <laughs> Cause it's like pushing corn's narrative into how he tells his stories. Now he wants to be remembered when he loses. It was all a dirty trick. You cheated. I wasn't paying attention. My brother was playing. <laughs> All I did was put down the remote for five seconds and my five-year-old little brother came <laughs> and he killed my character and that's yeah. not fair. I should get started over again. <laughs> yeah, do over. Um, I see your name next to a story. Any story you want to talk about here? The uh, disappearance of the Dark Prince. So this is something that we've known and has been in the lore for a while is that Slanesh is, is not missing or he's missing, right? So he's not present in the realms. Um, but they're talking about it from the perspective of how do the other gods approach that and specifically talks about um, Korn and his demons having taken some of the sixth circle from Slanesh. So part of Slanesh's domain is now part of Korn. Um, and we've already known that before, but my question is just like, how does that actually look? Is it actually look completely Kornate now? Or does it have like some influence of Slanesh in it? That's been taken over by corn. Hmm. So I thought that was an chaos god thing. Exactly. Slanorn. Yeah, right. And those two, although like dire enemies, at the same time are also very similar, I think, in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. so it would be interesting to see how would you how would you merge the two? Um, and when you talk about what does it look like, the act of doing so, well, according to this book, is if you want to take uh, a piece of Slanesh's one of his his rings, you just take a bite out of it. Just Chomp. Hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if that was literal or metaphorical, but that's what I'm going to go literal uh, with this with this here story. So, how many bites does it take to get the center of Slanesh's domain? At least six. <laughs> One, two, three. Um, <laughs> classic. Uh, and then uh, it spends a bit of time in the Age of Myth talking about um, and reflecting on the story that I I didn't read this novel, but I'm almost assuredly positive that it is based off of um the red feast uh by mm-hmm. 
what is it, Gafthorpe, I think. Um, so I have not read that to my infinite disappointment. However, I was kind of turned off by the fact that it seemed as if it should have been a series and then didn't end up being. But at any rate, it, it tells the story of the origins of uh, Corgus Cool, um, in that even he harkens back even so far uh, to the Age of Myth. Um, it, he's in some sort of tribal um character in Akshi and mm-hmm. then it, it tells the tale of uh, you know how he became Corgus Cool um and in becoming one of his like foundational uh worshipers of corn. I'm torn between talking about the details here or leaving it for those of you who want to read the the novel and the story. It's a little different from these other things that we talk about. It's just sort of like educational encyclopedic knowledge whereas this is actually like story based. So suffice it to say it spends a little bit of time getting you introduced to like the the fundamentals of uh quarter cool which i think are probably again reflected in that novel i've heard great things i know vent really liked it i think it's one of his favorites um mm-hmm. so maybe i'll get around to reading it even though i know it goes nowhere are you gonna, are you gonna cancel a series after one book get out of here um <laughs> yeah it is a good it's a good story and it's it's really our source of where corn enters the realms too mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so it's it's super important for that fact alone like we have the Okari Dara with the Lumineth that leads to Selenash leading in. And this is literally Korn's entrance into the Mortal Realms period. And it's in Akshi. So also coincidentally where we have the, uh, um, the Stormcast come in. But that's going to be a little bit later. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, all right. Um, but before they do, we got a whole age, um, which we've learned is 400 or 500 years. I can't remember what we decided. The age of chaos. Yeah, yeah, we made it. There was a whole um, big discussion in our Discord. Do we have a Discord? Yeah, yeah we do. No, you got to do it before we ask the questions. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, yeah, I, I feel like we've brought this up a couple of times now on the story, and you'd think it would be cemented in my head. Um, but uh, uh, multi-hundred, multi-century uh, long um, Age of Chaos. Uh, and it... A major player of that is obviously the corn uh, and his followers um, and so much so that I think that really they did the most work is what it seems like to me um, in this age uh, what 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 did the age of chaos mean for corn um, just sort of on the whole what do you guys think uh, a lot of death a lot of murder a lot of skulls corn um, is what you want yeah corn is one of those that he always is in ascendancy when there's war and the age of chaos is fundamentally war Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it, it's one of the things that is a little bit more why it's so easy to tempt corn into the realms is that Slanesh and, and Zinch really need civilization to thrive. But corn just needs like disagreements that end in beheadings. So, and this age sort of like really and obviously cemented why chaos is like the standard when we get to the age of Sigmar. And corn is a huge part of that because corn kept on just giving people the option like, hey, we're here. We're going to start killing people. You can join us or we're going to get you. And those are and like it just can continuously bolstering its numbers by people who are just like, you know, they were working their day job and suddenly they're blood bound and they're going to start eating people. And like reshaping the entire realms just based off of changing what normal is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like your choice of uh, either join us or we'll get you. Yeah, we're going to get you. Getting you (laughs) containing the fact that we will flay you alive and then feed you to your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you guys all thought get you meant. That's that's what it means here in this uh, this book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. No subtlety. No subtlety at all. Aaron. No he's subtlety. Doing a lot of work. Yeah, you're doing a lot of work in that sentence. Um, yeah. So I mean, it says here that like corn basically had all actually like end to end is really what it uh, seemed like, which was uh, pretty impressive on his part. Um, did you guys have any stories from this time frame that jumped out at you? I enjoyed the story of the first gore storm. Um, so this is corn, um, but instead of an actually, it's talking about him in Shamo. Um, so he talks about the Chrome Kingdoms and a bunch of wrathmongers led by Acor Ragemaker, one of the mightiest skull grinders to ever exist. Um, and then it talks about the uh, the anvils of corn where they forge their armor. Um, and this is kind of where they say, oh, this is where all the armor comes from. Right. So most of the, the cornate um, models do are fully armored or mostly armored. And so it talks, I like that it gives a reason for why that would happen. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, that was it. So it was fun. Well, did you have any stories that tickled your fancy? Yeah. Uh, the story that really got to me was the great beast hunt. And it does actually answer a listener question from Darth Alec. That is professional podcasting there. Yeah. Uh, Darth Alec uh, asked us, is there any trace of, quote, honorable combat cornets that seem to get mentioned? Or is it all blood all the time? I mean, the answer is both. But (laughs) in the Grace Beat Hunt, we've got a mega boss, Zaga Iron Fang, who's actually, he's just killing a bunch of chaos, like entire chaos armies. And so to deal with it, uh, Skull Taker, not to be confused with Skull Master, Blood Master, Skull Grinder, or Skull Grabber. Solid um, goop. Solid goop. Skull Grabber. Oh, man. Is <laughs> Only that the one guy on the bottom of the, <laughs> of the Harvester? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, uh, he, Skull Taker is a demon who is considered an honorable combatant because he'll walk up to an entire army point to the biggest person and say, me and you, one-on-one, shoots and ladders, cage match, one of us is coming out alive. And the mega boss put up such a brutal fight that he got the greatest seat of honor, which is to have his head personally placed on the brass citadel next to Korn. So you have to be doing a good job if that's what Korn sees as honoring its foes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, good point. I didn't even think put two and two together, even though Skull, whatever, Taker was like one of the most, one one of the last special characters I read about. Yeah, that is very, an honorable fight. So um, good question, Darth Alec. You know what? I love good questions on the show. And Ooh. I would love if we could get more. No, it sounds like we don't get enough. We get plenty, quite frankly. But um, I, <laughs> if, if you yourself, dear listener, wanted to get a question on the Moral Realms story phase, um, I'll tell you how you get it. Here's the inside scoop. I'm going to tell you how you do it. And I'm going to tell you right now, what you got to do is you got to hang out on our discord server, which can be found at the slash discord. Yes. You what? heard that right. We have a discord surprise, surprise. When and do you have to hang out there? Get this. Here's the trick. Actually, you have to hang out there all the time, constantly day and night. Uh, and also some mornings and afternoons as well. Um, just perpetually <laughs> just sit there, uh, neglect your job. Neglect your family. Just watch uh, eyes toothpicked open uh, for that rare moment when I pop in, as if uh, as, as if an afterthought, and ask, "Hey guys, we're going to record an episode. Uh, do you, does anyone have any questions about X, Y, or Z?" And guess what? You were there the whole time. Eyes, like I said, toothpicked open, uh, ready and rearing for any uh, possible question that comes to your mind. And after sitting there for so very very long, I'm sure you have 
oh, so many questions that you want to ask us. And so you type them up. I copy and paste them, and then I just trivialize trivialize them uh, here on this episode, (laughs) just like Darth Alec. Um, It works two ways because you reduce them, but you also treat them as trivia. Yeah, that's that's correct. And frankly, I was afraid Darth Alec was not going to ask any questions for this episode, but he snuck in under the wire. Uh, In fact, I postponed the whole recording just waiting for him to get his questions in. He he truly did. The power uh, dynamic is utterly shifted and I am at his mercy. (laughs) So... Back to the age of chaos, anyways. Um, what are some interesting ones? So I, I, a lot of the just the stories in this era, besides the ones you guys mentioned, were actually pretty good. Um, we're just essentially talking about like, hey, here's this faction that you know about, and here's how corn followers kill them and like destroy them. Oh yeah. no, like this this uh, fire slayer lodge got wiped out, uh, or X, Y, or Z got wiped out. And that's kind of the trend with some of these stories that we're reading here. However, one of the more interesting components of this book is emblematic in the uh, the Great Game Escalates, which is to say, I liked actually reading more about the Great Game, more than I ever thought I would previously. Mm-hmm. And this book touches on it a couple times. We brought it up earlier, I'm going to bring it up again, where I was getting the impression reading this story that like after Korn had basically wiped out a, a mortal realm uh, actually, and anyway, has his sights on other areas in the rest of the mortal realms too. But like, to some, he's kind of getting a little bored. He's getting a little antsy, and so he turns around and says, "You know what? Great game, not over yet. Just because there's these realms out there, I will not be distracted. <laughs> I will not be deterred." And so he turns it around and escalates the great game all over again, bolstered as he is by these mortal realms and you know the warlike energies making him stronger and stronger. And so, um, I got the impression here that he turns it turns attention back on his brothers revenge for you know the tricks that they were playing on him before mm. um and then in doing so am i wrong tell me if i read this incorrectly in doing so his distraction made it that much easier for the stormcast to roll up and like make um beachheads in, in the more realms am i editorializing a little bit or did you I, guys get that too i th- almost feel like this is sort of a ret not necessarily retcon but like this is inserted to give us more context to the beginning of Age of Sigmar, because like when the edition first came out, I remember them saying all the mortals of Corn were kind of like bored or lazy because there wasn't as much fighting. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of showing us why there wasn't all the demons there. It's because they're out going to the great game. Yeah. And the mortals are sort of left to like fend for themselves. And since they were split, yeah, I think it does add that that extra bit of uh, information of why Sigmar was choosing this moment to strike. Cool. I don't think I knew that before. So whether or not this is new, I can't say, but this is new to me. I, I was unaware. It seemed as if like it was a minute to midnight kind of situation in the moral realms. And it was just tomorrow they were, they were going to fall utterly and then Sigmar rolled up. But it seems as if I'm reading more about it. That's not necessarily the case. So interesting. They were their own down, not downfall where that remains to be seen, but they, they uh, opened the doors for Sigmar to walk in, which is, I was just going to say what you're going to say, which a is little, a mirror. Yeah, a little ironic, <laughs> vice versa. The power dynamic has shifted and uh, history repeats itself. So interesting. That's cool. History if I do say so myself. Um, Paul, did you – I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add. Me and Will have been talking <laughs> at each other. Uh, I have one something for the Age of Sigmar. Ooh, okay. Let's get to the Age of Sigmar. Do it, yeah. Speaking of Sigmar, um, before we get to the stories, let's just talk about it as a whole. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Uh, Stormcast roll up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, what were these early days of Age of Sigmar like for the corn, the blades of corn? What, what, just generally, what, what, how did the scene look for them? Well, early days, it was super great because they had almost defeated everybody. Yeah. And they're like, dude, 
more people to fight who actually can fight good. Can't wait to like, those guys' skulls. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I mean, like Age of Sigmar opened with chasing a random tribe of like 40 people who had been running for days, if not weeks, just hoping to kill them because they were the last people left to kill. And then all of a sudden you get these like super armored, lightning-blooded warriors to fight. And it's like, ooh, we have like actual worthy fights. Like that's super awesome and fun. So yeah, the, like the initial reaction was like, this is great. We finally have somebody to fight. Yeah, this is fantastic. And then as it kind of continued a little bit, because they were the army that came in the box next to Stormcast, they were the, I was going to say punching bag, but it's more like the pig carcass that Rocky Balboa beats up in a meat locker. <laughs> Whoa. Just wailing on. <laughs> like, they, and like still, even in that, even in like the lore being written to show like, hey, look how cool cool stormcast are they're beating the murder god seven um <laughs> they still got to pull off some really cool stuff and still get some like get some really big w's in there so mm-hmm. like even when they were designed to lose they still did a good job of fighting back yeah no it's pretty cool the way they fought <laughs> get it because Corgus cool was <laughs> the, the guy who's in the, <laughs> in the base box right but also we learn more about him. He keeps showing up. And this is something that I do enjoy about the way that they write battle tomes is he was a figure that was named in the original box. And we literally haven't seen another figure since, but he keeps getting rules and we keep getting a little bit more and a little bit um, more defined lore about who he is and what's going on. And so like, while Aaron was talking about the red feast, right? Like, well, that's Corgus Cole. And then we're talking about the Stormcast showing up. Well, that's Corgus Cull, right? And we're gonna we're gonna mention him again, uh, dear listeners. So like, um, we're really kind of doubling down on like having these characters that mean something and have an impact on the way that the realms work. So I always appreciate that. I think it's funny that they had to explicitly say that because of like Corn's blessings, which is how he's so long lived. Because he's literally, I mean, he's living centuries and centuries uh, mm-hmm. throughout all of this. Because like, yeah, you got a named character, you got to keep him around. Especially a named character is is, is awe inspiring as Corvus Cole. I mean, um, well, it, it, it's one of those cool. Like, I still think it's one of the best models that they've released for AOS. Oh God, yeah, it's just like such a gorgeous chain, like yeah. dog on the chain. So yeah. I I love the model just because it's one of the few like named character models where you can also take it with no alterations as the generic version because mm. they just want as many people to use that model as possible yeah. if you mm. play corn. And who doesn't love a good doggo? I mean, come on. Right? Oh, so <laughs> scratching behind his weird fin frill thing. Um, <laughs> all right. So any from like the early days of Age of Sigmar, did you guys have any stories that jumped out at you that you really you really dug? Um, we can kind of get a little bit of a redux of the Orbinfernia, um, which we've been like, th- again, this is a story that's been kind of seeded back and forth. Um, but Corgus Cole conquered a demon infested moon, right? Which is cool and very AOS. Your average, your average Thursday, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've conquered myself. <laughs> but the thing is, it won all Groundhog Day, right? And it went back to the beginning. And then all of a sudden, he didn't conquer it. And then he's like, I'm bored. I'm bored of this place. Everything that I did is gone. I got to go find someplace else. So it just kind of wanders off. Like, yeah, it's, it's a fun way of, of moving the story forward, but also like, I totally get how somebody's like, but I murdered everybody in all these sacrifices 
it just took them away. Okay, I, I guess I'm just going to go for a walk and, and figure out what to do next of my life. Yeah. And they just leave you the get, moon. You guys aren't playing fair. I'm taking my toys. I'm going home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go kill some dudes. I'm going to go destroy civilizations. All right, see you. Yeah. Um, looking back on this thing, this is such a wacky story. Maybe in the moment, I probably also thought it was wacky, but I, the whole world was wacky, and so I just rolled with it. And like, yes, we've seen a lot of wacky stuff in Age of Sigmar broadly um but like i don't know this this particular story always stood out to me as like a little out of place because it was you know it was driven white white but like people right like it was by real life like uh voting if i remember correctly that big campaign um mm. and i'm not saying i'm glad they rolled it back because even that's a little hard to stomach but it's just it's just absurd and then like they just leave and that's just the end of it like what is the overpernia doing right now like what it, it's such a they're still piecing out. They're still like having a massive fight. It's just coal is yeah. gone from it. It's mine. It's still yeah, and it still shows up in like black library novels as uh-huh. recent as God Eater Son. Yeah, uh, anything that's an action. Oh, was it in there? Oh, I, I oh, yeah. So. No, it's it, a it big was, a story point. Uh, yeah. So I won't divulge too much, but you know, it was, it was a great story point. It had a massive effect on on, on uh, what's going on. So, Well, dang, yeah. it was already at the top of my list, but now it is on the top, top of my list. Yeah. Now, before it was on the top of my book list, now it's on the top of my life list. Like, I'm not going to go right. grocery shopping before I read this book now. So. I mean, I read like four books since then, Aaron. I mean, come on, what's going <laughs> yeah. on here? Come on, man. I, I can't read. It's a that <laughs> and... <laughs> the biggest, <laughs> biggest secret on the mortal realms is that Aaron is illiterate. <laughs> That's what just revealed right it, there. I mean, it's why the story phase is a podcast and not a newsletter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I buy all the EPUBs so that I can get it like a digital re- like reader, like a word, whatever the word is for that. Nope, the joke I lost it is gone. Um, so uh, Orban <laughs> Fernia, it's a good throwback though. I mean, it would it, be worse if we forgot all about it, right? If they never brought yeah. it up again, I feel like that. So it's, mm-hmm. it's worth uh, revisiting, I think. Um, Will, did you have any stories that you wanted to um, share about? Yeah, the only fun one I wanted to talk about was Exile's Wrath, which is just uh, Scarbrand is fighting Chalaxi Hellbane, the big named greater demon of Slanesh. With the wild hair. Yeah, yeah, mm. and like the four arms, but still not a spider because it's only got six limbs. I know. Uh, I didn't say it. I was thinking it, but I didn't say yep. it. Uh, but it... It's a fun fight. They're fighting each other because Korn and Slanesh hate each other more than they hate the other Chaos Gods. It's like their big rivalry. And it says like the duel is cut short when Stormcast show up. But it's not that Stormcast show up, therefore we must set aside our differences and fight them. It's we literally got pushed away from each other. I'll come find you later when we're done with these dudes. I just can't reach you right now. It's sort of like how it's written. Here's my number. We've got a murder date. Yeah. There's eight. There you go. We summoned something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Um, that, yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, a lot of the other stories in this early days are just talking about, like, they, they do, I don't want to say lip service, but they they acknowledge the fact that it is around these early days of Age of Sigmar that all sorts of new, we as uh, audience members are like game players. Like, all these new armies popped up and, like, uh, Corn seems to have been surprised by them too. That like, where did these flying dwarves and these sea elves come from? I'm gonna have to chop those dudes up, right? So like, it wasn't just. I mean, honestly, as we get farther and farther away from it, the early days of Age of Sigmar become less and less just about the Stormcast and more and more about the forces really of order um, arising too. Because with Stormcast comes Sylvaneth, come Crudge, and come Fire Slayers pouring out of their mountains, come 
uh, Idenath, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you're not just facing, you're not just getting attacked on one front, but really they're coming at you from all directions in the sky, from the sea, from the mountains. This is fun. I didn't really think of it that way. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of biomes. <laughs> well, uh, and it's sort of a corn calling everyone out because in all of the other battle tomes, they list their great histories. We've been around since the age of myth. We've been fighting in the age of chaos. Mm-hmm. And then Corn's like, no, I, I know for a fact I never saw a single one of you in the age of chaos. I would have remembered. What are you doing? You can't say you were here the whole time. I was here the whole time. I didn't see any of you guys. Yep. Yeah. It's like an atavistic collector. He's like, I don't, I don't have your skull. What does your skull look like? Dude, how do I not have this skull? Like, this is my thing. I collect skulls. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Corn, like Corn was getting bored. He was sitting there tw- twilling his thumbs all the while. All these other like races are just sort of peeking out, you know, behind the peeking out their heads uh, yeah. from the yeah. bunker twenty floors below sea level. Um, they, they show up, they meet the stormcast, go like, "Oh yeah, we've been fighting Corn this whole time. You left us. We were fighting." <laughs> Corn just got the book of grudges there that Corn owns. <laughs> his own Corn uh, grudge book. Yeah. So that. It, it spent some time in this part of the book talking about those um, other other factions as well, not just Stormcast for sure. Um, all right, uh, next we head to our AOS 2.0 time frame. Those t- time of tribulations, those soul wars, doesn't get a lot of time in this book. They really do anymore, which I think is starting to become more and more common in these battle tomes. So much old and so much new that it's hard to like spend time in that like middle ground. Uh, do you guys any have any thoughts? Anything to bring up from that soul wars time frame for Corn, or is it? There's not much there to mine. There is not much there to mine. Uh, the only paragraph just says, like, the Necroquake happened. And I think the reason there's not much more in this book is because Korn hates magic so much that he refuses to acknowledge all of the endless spells. He's just not going to talk about it. He's like, don't think so. Never never heard of it. It's like, no, we're not going to talk about that. This, We're done with this. This is over. Wash my hand. It did, I will point out that, like, he he was so mad that the the research, like the not resurgence, but the I don't know the surgeons, not resurgence, just straight up surgeons of magic. Um, he knew it came from Nagash's what Nagash did, and he's like, oh, I'm going to teach that dude a lesson. Like, I don't think so. And so, like, he if he was already mad at the realm of death and Nagash, he was double mad at Nagash for what he did, and it's because he, he took such offense, he, and he took that personally. Um, all right. Um, yeah, not much about the AOS 2.0. I feel like, I don't know if we'll spend much time. Like, as time goes on in the Age of Sigmar, I think we'll probably, like, I don't know how much attention we're going to give to that era as much, um, which is a shame because I feel like that was a really great time in Age of Sigmar's history. Anyways, not going to yeah. editorialize it. Uh, let's talk about 3.0, the, the, the more present, um, mm-hmm. current time frame. Um, what is that, what does this new era mean for corn just generally broadly what are we thinking how's corn reacting to this age of beasts i think he likes it don't hate it people are angry people are killing other things like people in gur are like getting claws and like crazy mutations and stuff so there, there's a lot of an expansionist especially with the dawnbringer crusades which seem to make a, a an a appearance in every battle tome right now because why wouldn't you like that's kind of the major narrative thrust yeah We're providing more and more Helpless victims to be slaughtered. They're not helpless. I mean... Mostly helpless, though. Mostly helpless. Yeah. They're helpful if what you're trying to do is build a throne of skulls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're they're fundamentally foundational, even. Coincidentally, I think that's what Korn's trying to do. Isn't that weird? Super weird. Isn't that weird? Um, It's the Skullbringer Crusades, right? (laughs) I want to think of a pun. 
the uh, I mean the pawn bringer crusades, but they're pawns for his. That would be more like a zinch thing, not like yeah. Okay, all right. Back to the drawing board. That <laughs> game tonight is changing Don Bringer Crusades into some to other things. Ooh, um, that'd be a good game. We could maybe do better. That's not corny enough, though. I mean, you know what I mean. In a, <laughs> whatever. No, that wasn't even a joke. That was. I was I meant, like it's not corny enough. <laughs> it's so hard not to. Though. Too late. We laughed. <laughs> um, all right. The game tonight is to come up with the game. Um, so uh, there's that. A great uh, game. So, yeah, I mean, just broadly, like you guys said, it's a very violent era and less met. It's not intrinsically magical like the previous era. So I think Corn's all about it. And I don't know if there's much else to say beyond without getting into the individual stories. So I'll ask, did you guys have stories that you wanted to talk about? Quinkadinkly, I do. I uh, enjoyed the Wounding the Realms um, for one thing, because it again ties into the Dawnbringer Crusades, which are one of my favorite things. Um, but for the second thing, it starts bringing in a new model uh, that we have in the lore. So um talks about um, corrupting the ley lines of reality, which is what the Dawnbringer Crusades are trying to actually settle, these ley lines to, to defend themselves. But he talks about his ritualists and slaughter priests carving profane runes into the earth so that the liquid realm stone seeps up from the depths like blood from a gaping wound. Um, and this one talks about it in hish so fighting versus techless so that's kind of fun um and fighting versus the lumineth and they're like oh we got this like you stupid idiots like this is our thing we're totally the ones that put runes into the earth and make good things happen you jerks why are you putting runes in the <laughs> realms but then the the bloodbound runes they summon flesh hounds and then bad things happen for the lumineth so um, anything that makes Teclith lose is going to be pretty good for me. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it quite a bit. When you say me, do you mean you, Paul? Yes, yeah, okay. in particular. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I'll keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> right on. Uh, the only other story in this time frame is very similar to the story Paul talked about, which is the uh, Rabbit Rondal uh, story. But before I get into what it is, we got some questions about... Corgus Cole again. What? We guys, we told you he was well, coming back. He really permeates through the entire timeline, this entire book. Um, it's hard to get rid of the guy. Um, but uh, Chris Ling on the Discord. And then I think later Darth Alec might ask the same question. But uh, how is Corgus Cole getting on? Is he well? So more of a current up-to-date uh, update on what Corgus Cole's up to. Get this. Uh, he and the Baleful Lords, which is a sub corn subfaction that we'll probably talk about later um are actually attacking rondal which is one of the continents in gur um and what paul was saying before they're corrupt, corrupting these like dawnbringer nexuses um and in doing so uh through i mean they're doing it through sacrifices through runes like paul was saying etc cetera, etc cetera, doing all sorts of freak nasty stuff uh, on them but it's uh causing um this very rivery uh area causing those uh, rivers to run red with blood and gore and all again freak nasty things that corn uh, is all about and in doing so it's freaking that continent out it's unhappy with the state of affairs it does not like this it does not care for it and as we know in gar these continents are semi-sentient or some sort of bestial uh sentience underneath what they're doing and it's lashing out and it's and it's attacking it's 
already, you know, antagonistic um, continent siblings, and um, it's it's causing havoc. And Corn's like, yes, yes, more of this, please. Um, and so uh, that was, I guess, their plan in Gur, and it is only presumably possible, or could only be done in this era of the beasts, because the combination of Gur, combination of the Dawnbringer, Nexus E identification, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, what Corgus Cool is up to, that's it. I love the idea that like in Gur, the continents themselves like are kind of alive in the air of beasts. They become more angry. And so Cole went, you know what? We have an angry continent. Can we teach a continent to murder? Let's see if that works. <laughs> and it kind of does. The other thing is that Rondel, not necessarily specifically, but Gur in general has a lot of weird things that happen. Um, yeah, one of the things um, in, in one of the novels that happens is one of the rivers turns into a god beast, turns into a... Uh, An incarnate, I think. Incarnate. Is what we, I know, we read about it. Ooh. So I wonder if one of those blood-drenched rivers might have been an incarnate. Like, that would be a cool little thing, wouldn't that? Blood incarnate. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have different definition of the words cool, but... Sure, I guess. Uh, Corcus cool. and I are tight, so we have the pretty much same <laughs> definition of cool. Homonyms, love them, um, <laughs> awesome. And so I don't know much about this, but this this we, we were talking before the episode that we think this this Rondel thing might be building off of something else. Do you guys want to talk about the Flashpoint? What what we know about the Flashpoint? I don't know anything about it. Okay, uh, so I've read through all the Flashpoints, and they're super cool. Um, it's primarily a bunch of stuff to do with Rondel in particular. And it talks about um, some Stormcast, the Krakens, and then some uh, Ogres, the the Cleavers. And then also talks about some Oryx. Um, but if you look in the maps, and this was something that um, Will pointed out, um, there are some Cornate um, armies that are moving around. It seems to be that they directly tie into this specific entry. They must have, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe those same corn folks are the ones we read about here in the Battle Tome, and they got up to some, I will say a third time, freak nasty stuff uh, <laughs> in Ronald. Yeah. It doesn't sum anything. You have to say murderers or blood or, or skulls. Yeah. yeah. Blood nasty. Intentionally. On purpose. <laughs> I know my business, Paul. Um, yeah. And I, I wanted to call it out because I, like, I hadn't been following the story of the White Dwarfs too closely. But I did know, like, people always ask, like, oh, where has the story progressed since Broken Realms? And the answer had sort of been, like, either it hasn't much or, like, oh, read your latest White Dwarf for a small story update. And here we have the White Dwarf stories being expanded upon in the battle tomes. So now, if you want to keep up to date on the story of Age of Sigmar, you need to buy every monthly issue of White Dwarf Mm -hmm. uh, just to follow the story along. Yeah, I already was. <laughs> yeah, right. Month. So, listeners, you've got homework. Basically, is you need yeah. to be hanging out in the Discord every single day, and, mm-hmm. which is going to be tricky because then you're going to have to quit your job. And how are you going to afford the white dwarfs? I don't know. I don't. Ha- I don't have the answers for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had a, this is not actually mentioned in either of the timelines. It's just kind of a fun little thing that I thought was cool. I'll be the judge of that. That's fair. That is literally your prerogative. <laughs> um. But uh, it, it, this is about the demons, which we don't get much talk about the demons because they live outside of time and space, right? But they're a major component of this battle tome. Um, and 
so when demons get sent back to the realm of chaos, right? Corn has nothing but contempt for the defeated demons of Corn. So they must pass through the gates of the vanquished and be judged by its pitiless sentinel. And then it says, quote, their essence is then banished to the flames of Hellbrass, a colossal furnace fueled by the blood god's ever-boiling rage. Most are broken down and pulled apart in that hellish crucible, but a rare few survive the torment and are granted the chance to rejoin one of the blood legions and regain their honor. All right. So I hear you go, great, wonderful. Why are you talking about this? Or right? <laughs> Because the really interesting thing to me is that we've heard the name Hellbrass before. And the name Hellbrass is actually a chaos champion of Zinch from Warhammer Fantasy. And this Hellbrass, he has something called the Breath of Life. That was his signature thing and signature rule. Mm-hmm. So do we have a Zinchian element within the realm of corn playing the great game and recycling these corn demon souls into Zinch? Because his name was Akeld Hellbrass, and the whole thing is called Hellbrass. So, yeah, super fun, little cool thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is yes, but it's another one of those involuntary donations that he's made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, this is like, there weren't a lot of things that I was like, oh, this is super cool and like niche thing. But just like the uh, the battle um, place that they have for the Stormcast, and I'm blanking on the name that Malarian made, that the Stormcast train before they become yeah, sent It's down. like Gladiatorium or something yeah, exactly. along those lines. Uh, where perhaps we have Malarian stealing some of that power. We have something mm-hmm. in Korn's realm that is perhaps tainted by Zinch and pulling his power away as well, which again was, is a super Zinchian thing. So See, I, yeah, I saw it as the other way where Korn was stealing from Zinch since he has been winning the great game up until Ooh. this point. I was like, oh, what's your name? A cold Hellbrass? I'm going to forget the first part. You're my engine now. <laughs> I do love brass. Uh, yeah. I'm a brass man. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, yeah, that essentially sums up the timeline that brings us up to the present day, I think, for corn. Um, first, I'll ask if you guys had any additional thoughts that we missed that you want to. Besides that completely random aside about when demons That's get reforged. Yeah. That's no. Good. That's a deep <laughs> cut. Else. I like that. Um, okay. So, enough of this timeline, timey wimey nonsense. Let's talk about how the faction works. Let's get down to brass tacks. So, um, let's, yeah. when it comes to how are they how are they organized? Like at home, how do they operate? You know, sort of internally. Let's let's look at them as a as a family structure. Nope, that's not a thing. Um, so, if you were to try to describe how Corn uh, structures his armies, his faction, um, how would how would you go about doing so for the listeners? Um, imagine a mosh pit. I always where do. you you survive. Mm-hmm. By eating other people that are in the mosh pit. So just a regular mosh pit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's a lot of how Corn organizes his his people. Um, there there is an actual structure of like, hey, we have people on top, which is the Lord, right? And then um, we do have this cool thing, and this is something I genuinely appreciated about this battle tome is that we finally have the number of sub commanders up to eight. So actually, 
Yeah. Funny story. It dupes the black. Actually, like it's it in the realm of actually, uh-huh. or is it? No, uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> right, sorry. Let me push my glasses up and say it loud. Uh, no, it's what Aaron had said that they duplicate Bloodstokers. Which of all the ones that duplicate? Why would you do? That's not the one to do. <laughs> well, see, because you had, and this is always my thing with corn in general. You've got the Bloodstokers who goads the people in the mass, like the masses. And then you have the other Bloodstoker who makes them feel fury, which is different. Which is totally different. Is it literally the same model, but it's just... No, it's it's literally Bloodstoker is on the left side of the slice of pie and the right side of the slice of pie. Gosh, darn it, how did I miss that? So what we're talking about here is the Bloodbound <laughs> side of the house, so... Uh, Never mind, I genuinely did not appreciate that part. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going... I, the, and the reason I know this is probably the same reason I heard it, because I had the exact same thought. I'm like, oh, they finally have eight. They have all the pictures. And then I was looking at it, and like, I was counting how many we had from the previous book, and I counted six, and I know we added one. So I was like, where... How do we get to eight from six plus one? That doesn't equal eight. And the answer is we Bingo counted man. Bloodstoker twice. And especially if you were going to counter on the horn, the Bloodstokers are far enough away from each other that you would forget that you'd already counted Bloodstoker by the time you got to it on that. So uh, listeners, what we're describing is there's this like wheel uh, in the book and it's got um, a mighty lord in the center. And that basically is, is going to be one of, you know, Korn's generals. But then uh, he's got like eight war bands underneath or what are they gore something i wrote it down uh, gore chosen or chosen so eight sub commanders which are essentially your other hero models in the range and those are leading war bands um with their own you know distinct like abilities and capabilities and responsibilities and so we're lamenting the fact that uh of the variety and there's a bunch of heroes in the core in the bloodbound range turns out there's only really seven um and they try to trick us by putting the blood stoker on there twice but we're too do you know? Do they know who they're dealing with? Do they know who's going to be reviewing this episode? I mean, <laughs> let's be fair. They did completely trick me. So, yeah. so you two guys were like, no, I'm yeah, going to read this twice. Yeah, but you're, you're a cutie. Um, all right, so... Uh, 33% is still failing. Sure. Uh, with, I hope you guys... Here's the test real quick. If you guys don't have them pulled up right in front of you, and if you do minimize it or something like that, can you name the seven off the dome? Here we go. Oh. Skull grinder. I know that. I know there are two different Deathbringers. Mm-hmm. One is like aspiring. like the yeah, aspiring because there's like the new Deathbringer who's mm-hmm. aspiring, and then exalted, exalted because there's like a, a junior and a senior, but they're two different levels. Yeah, I'll do the there's, easy one. Bloodsoaker, 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 Bloodsoaker. So we got five. Um, we've got the the new one, the Ritualist, correct? Whose Realms. actual title I don't remember. Uh, there's the Slaughter Priest. Mm-hmm. Um, skull grinder. I feel Not like I started grinder. with skull grinder because um, yeah. that's the one I think is the coolest looking. Uh, but then the guy with the banner. Yes, banner. Uh, blood secreter. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably all of them. I wasn't counting. So like, let's just assume that's essentially most of them. Um, we got a. That was an yeah. a. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people bemoan the fact that a lot of the Age of Sigmar armies are very hero heavy. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is maybe. Well, fortunately, corn has been around for so long, and so many of the models have sort of existed for a bit so it's actually a pretty big range and so although there's a lot of heroes i think there's a lot of like units to back it up but point being is there's a lot of interesting character models out there and all you know for the most part they're different enough um in in terms of like lore and who they are that uh they still are considered interesting if you ask me um just as an aside i genuinely asked you yeah yeah right i mean that's where they came um just as a sign it's not so much a lore thing as it is more of a model thing i yes you guys correct me if i'm wrong but 
it seems as if they've culled some of the duplicative uh, models for some of these heroes because there were some old ones that they brought in. I think for like the aspiring Deathbringer, maybe the exalted Deathbringer too. But yeah. one or two of them they've cut loose, which is great because I hated the War Scrolls where it was like aspiring Deathbringer with Spear. like hammer or something like yeah. that. Um, and now it's just like aspiring Deathbringer just for example, with their weapon options listed on the war scroll, which is what almost every other army does at this point. And so yeah. it's really bothering me that it, like with spear was in the title of the thing for a guy who yeah. tracks like war scrolls. That was annoying. And I think it was the death bringers and the slaughter priest that were like the main offenders of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I remember the skull grinder being cool. Cause it was the only one where there was only one model. For mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Same with blood secretor. Same with blood stoker. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. At any rate, they improved it, so it was only a matter of time. Um, so that's how the blood bond. <laughs> I spent a little bit of time on that, talking about how like that's organi- organized, uh, and then so on and so forth. Like and then the units, depending on like what um, Gore chosen, what they were responsible for, determines like who who their units are. Um, but as far as the demons go, is there much to talk about there in terms of their organizational structures? Do you have any I, thoughts on that? They're definitely they talk about different structures based on like the different types of demons that like lead certain things but it's always just like the blood letters and then just like a beefier version of the blood letter correct until you get to the blood thirsters which there's mm-hmm. three different versions of and people just follow them there's three different versions that have models but there's eight different yeah. circles of blood thirsters yes and then there's of course uh the named character as well so yes it's very i think they use the term like pure pure as a pyramid pyramidic is that a word i just made yeah um and that like yeah there's more at the bottom there's fewer at the top and you just you get up up that pyramid with like corn sitting at the tippy top like balancing on one foot at the peak of the can you imagine corn balancing on anything that's crazy um he's super agile little did you know and another thing that like i think i was gonna say sets it apart but it's almost the opposite Another way in how like corn is structured is very similar to the sons of Bayamot, which is literally the phrase mightier makes rightier. Mm-hmm. Whoever's stronger is in charge. The thing that I think is cool and unique to corn that goes back to like, does corn have honor? Is in order to get promoted, you have to kill the person who's ahead of you. But it's not Skaven style where you stab them in the back. Like you challenge them to a one-on-one fight to see who wins. And Corn says like he doesn't care who's in charge as long as you do it without any conniving or any trickery or anything like that. You just have to beat the guy in a fair fight and then you get his job and his skull. Now, and sometimes he'll even let you keep the skull, which is like yeah. a real perk, perk of the job. <laughs> um, my job doesn't let me do that. Um, so very neat. How many skulls uh, have you earned in your job, Aaron? Oh, or do you would, not want to that talk? That would be bragging. Yeah, no, I yeah. don't. I don't. Fair, fair. No, it's exactly. It's, it's just impolite. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry for being rude. Uh, another, another thing I wanted to bring up here, it, it doesn't intrinsically fit into how we normally talk about the faction organizational, but I didn't have a better place to put it, so I put it here. Um, patron of the show, Dog Tired had a question. Uh, they, had a, they had a couple of questions. Um, but uh, I kind of chopped up this question a little bit and split it, spread it out throughout the episode. But anyways, um, they wanted to know, if there was any uh, representation of corn or corn followers in the book that weren't just relegated to the battlefield, um, what does corn look like when it's not on on the field of battle, which is another way to say battlefield, but you know, in a, maybe a more civilized uh, era. Um, and at first, I was like, well, that 
that's anathematic. They're, they're always on the battlefield. But no, the book actually spends some time talking about it, and they bring up these cults of blood. Do you guys mm. have any thoughts? Any, did the cults of blood jump out at you at all? Did anything you guys wanted to talk about there? Yeah, one thing is actually a few things. Cults of blood have been coming up a bit more frequently in a few different ways. Uh, when the War Cry box blood hunt came out, it talked about the claws of Karanak and how even people in cities could hear the howls of flesh hounds and then become these cultists. Uh, in the Cursed City novel... That's what I was going to say, yeah. Um, there is a cult for corn, like a secret society type cult that's underground. And then with the new model, the Ritualist, I forget what the first name is, but the Realm Gore Ritualist, it does talk more about like more culty type of corn. So we're definitely seeing a bit more corn stuff in cities and like hiding almost, which is kind of anathematic. No, you said it before. I can't say that word anymore. And, and I want to keep it as a secret and never the opposite. It it's you would think it's anti-corn because corn even says like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ancient Slanesh. I'm going to let them take the cities. I don't care as much. But what if I had street fights? That would be cool too, actually. Let's do that. Or riots even. Yeah. Step it up a notch. Um, so was Fight Club actually a secret corn movie is the real question. More than you realize. Yeah. Um, so th- <laughs> the the Cults of Blood actually reminded me um, viscerally of way back in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. They had these little cults of chaos that would be in the cities of the old world. And there was a they would convert up a couple models to represent what these would be. And so I remembered the article where they would convert up a butcher's guild that was dedicated to corn uh, with like, you know, old men at arms uh, or militia models and stuff like that. So it reminded me of that a lot. And I always like the little things where it, it ties into the, the different gods, but it doesn't explicitly say, Oh, you're full part of this army now. So that was cool. Yeah. And I think there is a like a deeper connection to that because it specifically calls out the cult in Hammerhall who worshiped the pig god, as they call it. And it's the god of butchery and it's it's actually corn. Yeah. Well, and they like it, it talks about like where they're pulling from, like the sorts of people that would be called to this, and it's you know, folks working in slaughterhouses and, and things of that nature. And then it also mentions actually to Paul's point about the the fight club thing like it he he calls to people living in cities who are fed up with like the the drudgery of like yeah uh civilized life right and who are called to a little bit more of like a, a feral lifestyle breaking out of that you know monotony and uh killing fools um which is very interesting so i was say one more example just because i really like this topic is uh you know who's really going to go towards the god of killing and blood and murder are the people who have are forced to fight and gladiators to worship the other god of murder mm-hmm. uh, specifically the gladiators in Har Quran who are forced to fight against the daughters of Cain they sort of unionized and their union rep is corn and they're going to try to fight back now which is very uh, just broadly reminiscent of all like other chaos gods in that like sometimes you're forced to ally with uh, a, a certain evil uh, because like they're the only ones that are going to help you out when you're against this other threat right so like we talked about Gur um, and actually maybe it's also a corn thing like if if you've got orcs orcs rampaging outside your door in Gur and 
the only way you survive is to be big and strong and to fight back. Like, where are you going to get that power from? It's going to be from corn. So that's one example. Or, like you said, in a gladiatorial gladiatorial fight, um, people are going to turn to chaos for in the moment what seem like very justifiable reasons. Um, yeah, can't help it. Is what he says to convince himself. Um, all right, mm-hmm. so uh, there's that. Good, that was a good good conversation starter. Dog tired. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, any other thoughts about any of that? No, because otherwise we'll keep going. And we'll talk about um, just sort of how corn interacts with other races or factions or what have you. Um, as I often ask, do we think that corn or the blades of corn do they have allies? Would you say allies uh, are on the menu for these dudes? Um. You mean potential future victims? What are friends, if not yeah. potential future victims? Um, involuntary skull donators. <laughs> I mean, I'll just call out the fact that I think beastmen are like literally listed as allies yeah. in this book. I, I don't know that the book spends too much time from a lower perspective talking about how it beastmen are those. I don't even know. Never really mentions much. them. Yeah. And also, I thought it was funny because... Like rules wise, they're allies, but they're also rules wise could be coalition. So it almost is like if you're going to take them, you're probably not even going to take them as allies. You're just going to have corn aligned beastmen in your army. So, like, he kind of doesn't have many allies. If anything, like, it never talks about it in the book, but you could say slaves to darkness when people of corn fight underneath someone like Archaon. Yeah. But uh, you can imagine a cornate person being like, to hell with that. Like the, you, you've got three yeah. too many gods, my friend. Um, let's, you got to pair those down. You got to focus on the, the mightier and rightier of them. Um, <laughs> it's talking about the beastmen. It's no, perhaps noteworthy that like, they don't even have the Zangor or Slangor equivalent in corn gores yet. I bet you one day they probably will just to complete yeah. the cycle. Um, but not yeah, yet. Remember blood so. bowl. Just oh, full year. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then I'll just bring up just cause we're grasping at straws for other allies here. Previously, I think it seemed when corn allied with Nurgle and Zinch to, uh, what was it? Corn allied with Nurgle earlier that we were talking about. Hey, that was an ally for a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that totally counts. when the great game dictates, uh, maybe they'll temporarily join up, but by, by no means is that a long lasting connection. So don't get your hopes up. Um, now, Let's talk about enemies. Maybe there's quite a bit more uh, there to unpack. Um, you guys got enemies that you want to bring up? I mean, if you got a skull, you're kind of an enemy. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like pretty like, much everyone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to get more specific, he has a few main enemies. Enemy number one, the ones he hates the most, the other gods of chaos. Which you don't think that would make the most sense, but chaos is chaotic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't follow our rules. Uh, specifically, Slanesh hates Slanesh for all the excess and all the the pompous running around. Just stand and fight is kind of Korn's philosophy. And then Zinch, because there's magic, doesn't like that. And then Nurgle, because he's too slow, he's not angry enough. He just doesn't like any of those guys. He's too happy. It's, I mean, that guy just like yeah. has way too much joy killing people. Like that's not yeah. that's not the point. More rage. And like part of his thing, he's like half life. Not to be confused with half life. Um, he's <laughs> half of his thing is is life, and he, that, that's no fun. Where's the fun in that? Um, I'll say it before. I'll say it again. It's ludicrous that it's not corn and Zinch being the the two like at each other's throats. That, that's downright crazy. I know this is a very old like <laughs> like 
crisscross, not love triangle. Again, this is a podcast. Yeah. Nobody can yeah. see Nobody the finger things the you're making. That I'm making. Um, <laughs> but I mean, frankly, just change it. You had a whole new world or a whole new game system. You could have just changed it. You should have just just switched it up. Um, yeah. You dropped the ball on that one, G-Dub. I'm sorry. And so uh, there's that. Additionally, you know who Korn hates? Wizards. Actually, to my point about hating Zinch, yeah. it's that magic. Can't stand it. Dishonorable. Not a big fan. Doesn't care um, for it. No, uh, un, unhappy with it. And in fact, a lot of this book talks about how he's got so many hunters and and followers that are, are their sole purpose is to enact his vengeance on on folks that Corn particularly hates, which is to say these wizards or you know sneaky, underhanded uh, folks out there too. Um, we may touch on a few of those entries uh, in the book later on, but the idea is that Corn will seek you out and take you down because that's how much he hates magic and sneaky bat stabber dudes. So he probably hates. Uh, scaven quite a bit too now i think about it oh yeah not a big fan of that either i mean he looped them all into the coward's alliance he he doesn't care for anyone no boy no um now speaking of wizards uh, we got a question from uh a discord member rogue michael um this is a this is a thought-provoking one they ask oh why does book why does book pretend corn ain't a big old wizard and you know what <laughs> rogue michael you got a point because there's a little bit of magic being sprinkled in this book, whether Corn likes to admit it or not. Um, he's got uh, what are they called? Invocations, quote, mm-hmm. yeah. These judgments of Corn uh, seem a little magical to me, if you ask me. He's got he's got priests now doing some chants and incantations. He's got this this new guy that we're going to talk about later, whose name uh, the Ritualist Rituals Magic. Who are yeah. you kidding, Corn? Um, has it ever um, bothered you, you guys know, as much as it's bothered me and uh, my new best friend, Rogue Michael? Yeah. It, also, he conjures like skulls to throw down into the realms too which is a little little magic-y a little bit um the book also does kind of answer this a little bit or at least calls people out specifically and i'll talk about this group later more but there's a new sub-faction called the flayed who they use like blood runes to get demonic power and even says a form of magic all the other people of corn don't like them because they're like demon runes that's magic you don't like that but their response is like well everyone's trying to become a demon prince that's some kind of magic you all are hypocrites if you can't let us do blood runes yeah true oh 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 it's mad and don't they even say that like we're getting power directly from corn himself so it's it's they don't even consider it magic but rather yeah. it's like direct a, a pipeline from corn like a boon yeah. from him it can't it can't be magic if the guy who's giving it to us doesn't like magic <laughs> and I feel like calling it magic. Of, I'm calling yeah. it something else, so it's <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Calling it's, it ruins, just like dwarves, right? Dwarven. That's why in the other Warhammer setting, some other factions can have people who cast spells as long as they don't call them psychers. They're fine. Because <laughs> well, that's not magic. Yeah. It's completely different. Yeah, it's not magic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a third category of enemies for corn: wusses, pansies. <laughs> Does not care for him, and you're you're in for a rude awakening if if corn catches him, or a rude um, not awakening. Yeah, because <laughs> you did. Um, did you guys have any other enemies that? I'm sorry, I kind of monopolized the, those a little bit. Did you have any other enemies that you wanted to bring up? This is one of those things where it's it's a little surprising why like fire slayers aren't like kind of like his non particular favorites because they just like get really angry and they use runes too. And they like to kill people, and right? They're like they're big, they're big in it. If anything, they're allies. Yeah, exactly. 
You would think. Well, they're yeah. as close they're... to allies as corn gets, maybe. So. <laughs> yeah. Kissing cousins. There we go. January. Yeah. I think they both, pref- like, axes are big on both sides. Mm-hmm. Of the... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. True, true. Um, and you know what? Since we're talking about yeah. the Fire Slayers <gasps> and the okay. fact that they have whip weapons, and then sure. we also have corn guys with whip weapons. Ask, ask it if you want. Yeah. yeah, we got a listener question from Kazdok. I think that's how it's pronounced. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think new uh, new listener question. I don't know that we've got oh, from yes, Kazdok. yeah. He still I don't has know. like the little leaf symbol that means he's new. Oh, okay. I don't Ooh. always catch when someone this is their first question, so folks don't hold me to this, but this is one that I'm pretty sure is true. Um so Kazdok asks, who wore it better? Wrathmongers or Hearthguard Berserkers? I of course refer to their chained weaponry. I'm curious what you guys think. I, I gotta say I would have to go with the Wrathmongers. Like, Ooh, agreed. Their chains are super crazy, and they're like mm-hmm. above their head, which makes them even taller. Whereas the Hearthguard is like, eh, like yeah. you're up to your head. Which, and, let's be honest, is not that far from the ground. So it's really yeah. not all that impressive to me. So this is a short guy joke now. I take yeah. I take offense to this. Um, <laughs> the, I'm on team, I'm on team Hearthguard Berserkers actually. Ooh, I is gonna like at you. the same time, so it's gonna be hard to mute this. Uh Berserkers, because I gotta look them up. Um it could be oh I prefer one. them. I need to look them up. The the pikes pikes are a little wacky, a little wonky looking. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you change your opinion? I don't because I don't like the Wrathmonger, like the, the curve of the chain over their shoulder like this. I'm not I don't, I don't like that as much. Um, um I'm gonna go with the Wrathmonger because their entire look fits the chains whereas the hearth guard they look like the rest of the fire slayers but with chains and think of it like a chain wallet it matches a lot better if your entire outfit has like studs and is black but the hearth guard are like the dude who's wearing a button-up shirt and khakis and or slacks and a chain wallet it just stands out it doesn't fit it kind of clashes he needs to like get the whole outfit together. Yeah. Okay. Good. You know what? Wait. More realms. Listen to more realms. You get some fashion advice. We are versatile. Yeah. yeah. Within us, you know, chain, modern us men. Chain wallets are not business casual. <laughs> and you will die on that hill. Um, <laughs> I'm going to change my answer, guys. Get this. Uh, neither. I prefer no chains because those are a B word to file, and like they snap like hell. I mean, they're basically they're just whips, and every. It has been documented, well documented, how I feel about whips. <laughs> but they're so like metal linked whips. I mean, come on. Even worse, man. That's hell to file down. That, it's no. a whip with gaps in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Also, good question. Good job, Castock. Uh, you're on the board. Um, all right. Do you guys have any other um, structural organizational thoughts uh, about the faction before we get into some of our favorite units? Oh. Let's do it. All right, guys, let's talk about some of our favorite units. Um, did you guys have any favorites in the range? It's a big one. Um, so first come, first yeah. serve. Who, what sort of things do you guys want to talk about? I am going to take the newest model, the Realm Gore Ritualist. I like it for a few reasons. First, we kind of talked about how it's like, it's less fighty corn, which is good because there are so many different types of corn models, which are this person fights good, and he also tells other people to fight good. And it kind of blurs together a bit. And here we have someone who is doing a different tact of spreading corn. The other reason I like the this unit slash model is it's Lady Corn. We've got more female representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, still beefy as heck, but it's always nice seeing it 
like not just scattered into unit models, but actual hero models getting more and more uh, rep. On top of that, uh, we do have a question from Patron Dog Tired. Thank Does you, the, Tired. Yeah, thank you. Does the book talk about anything else other than corn people being fighty? You, other than the examples I gave earlier, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the Rungor Ritualist is actually a good example of this because their whole purpose is to bleed the realms in a way. Um, sort of doing what the Lumineth are doing, but instead of making things orderly, they're making things more chaotic and bloody as a way of spreading Korn's influence. Uh, they're still going to be fighty, obviously. They still sacrifice people. Um, they still like try to get as many blood and skulls as they can, but their whole thing is carving blood runes into the earth itself, uh, which is a, definitely a different strategy than everyone else. Yeah, it's noteworthy because I think the closest thing that the range had before this was the slaughter priest. And if you look at the slaughter priest with his big axe bigger than me, uh, wielding in his two hands, you'd never argue that that dude was not fighty. Or, or the hack blade and the the ball and chain also held to file. Um, yeah. So like even like a priest, their priests <laughs> are still uh, looking to throw down. Which is not to say this guy isn't, or this guy or gal uh, isn't, but. Um, it definitely lesser so and i think somewhere in the book it talks the highlights the fact that they're like they're slighter of build like they're they aren't going to be able to like physically go to toe to toe with folks but the rest of their warband or whatever know not to mess with them for x y or z reasons because they're gonna yeah. they're gonna bleach dry so um that's why i included that question here um cool other realm gore rituals questions or thoughts <laughs> all did you have a entry here that you wanted to talk about um i prefer the Rathmongers. I've always thought they're super cool models. I put together the models themselves, and I just I think they're super cool. So I would definitely go with them. Incorrect. Yeah. Too much whip. <laughs> it's double whip, and they're like whip hammers. I mean, they're not just like straight whips. I mean, like look at those hammers. Would you call Would you call them cool whips? Uh, I would call them MC hammers. Okay, <laughs> this is this, we got to stop this now, right now. Davey's gonna flip out. Um, all right, well, we that happened more. like 17 minutes ago. <laughs> I don't want to forget to talk about the claws of Karanak. So, mm -hmm. here's the deal, listeners. Um, I haven't listened to Dogs of War Cry in, in a bit, but I bet you they probably talk about it, or if they haven't talked about them, they probably will, uh, in, in the future. So, I reckon that would be a great source of lore on these. And if they had and if they had no plans to, too bad. Now, I've I, put the call out now they have to talk about Forced them it. And, uh, yeah so i have yep. that power here in the moral in the mortal realms um so i we won't go as deep into uh, there's a lot more i assume if they're anything like any of the other Warcry factions about the clause of court karanak in those books but what we find out in this battle tome anyways is that um oh and by the way chrisling specifically wanted to find out more about clause of karanak uh, they ask anything new on the clause of karanak themselves i don't know if any of this is new i'm sure positive it's covered in war cry but all that to yeah. say um there are these human followers of corn um with the age beasts i think alongside like everybody's hearing the howling of these um what are the flesh hounds uh yeah. the these folks are taking on whether a bestial nature like they're actually like getting more quadrupedal uh, sort of taking on the form of these um, flesh hounds, or whether they just venerate this named uh, flesh hound corns, um, his prime hunter. Uh, they really respect the guy, and so um, in doing so, they are particularly feral. 
I kind of hate when books talk about like, well, yeah, corn flour is very feral. However, these guys even more feral. Like you just mm-hmm. turn it up to eleven, I guess. Um, Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin. Yeah, don't even get me started on Colin. A big corn follower, actually. Yeah, um, he'll, <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll, he'll cut your head off. Now. <laughs> Anyways, all all that to say. Um, so there's this new you know battle line uh, group here. Um, but it's neat because I think they they were trying they. To me, it's clear in this book that they're trying to branch out as to what it means to follow corn. Like they're trying to um, get more, you know, unique. It was kind of single tone, I think, previously, a lot of the corn stuff. And there's only so many different ways you can give somebody an axe mm-hmm. and like red armor and stuff like that. So I think they're doing a fairly good job, at least from the visual aspect, trying to come up with unique ways to present corn followership. And this is a great way to say that, or a great way to do so, in that like we've got these really diehard, dedicated, um, like worshippers of this particular demon type um, as well. Did I miss anything about the cars? Uh, Claws of Karanak. I feel like I glossed over some. Um, no, I think that kind of covers like the majority of what's in the book. If you want to find out more about like how they're structured or things like that, the War Cry box blood hunt or the Dogs of War Cry episode uh, about that will be a better source of information than this battle tone was. Mm, yeah, true. So this is one of many things where that was really a big spotlight. I just think of like how they've covered some of the other war bands in those. Like they do a pretty good deep dive if you ask me. Um, all right, cool. Um, we've got some more listener questions about some of these other dudes in here. Um, for instance, for example, uh, Domir, reminder, patron of the show, still is. Thank you very much. Uh, they ask, since we were just talking about flesh hounds, are flesh hounds the goodest boys? Uh, my vote is yes. What do you guys think? Unfortunately, Archibald the Griffhound is the goodest boy, but flesh hounds are in the top tier category. Ooh, okay. The only reason I'm not going to say yes 100% is... Flesh hounds, they don't cuddle as much. They're more likely to bite you regardless of mm-hmm. if you know them or not. Mm-hmm. And it just docks a few points. Sure. Overall. In my book, hey, that's a pro, not a con. It's a it's a feature, not a bug. Man, you really got to work for it. Um, for <laughs> right? I don't want just, uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, Paul, what do you think? Flesh hounds, goodest boys or just good boys? Well, I think that uh, Karanak would have to be the goodest boy because you can scratch behind his ears three different places. Oh, my gosh. But I only have two hands. Um, but <laughs> the three of us could do it together. together. What a bonding experience. Yeah. Um, and then we go take some involuntary head donations. Uh, yes. All right, cool. Um, what are we missing? What other questions do we got out there? Okay. I got one from Darth Alec, too. Uh, they ask, do do they... Okay, so he asked a broad question. Do they, the the unspecified they, uh, forge their, air in, uh, their armor now, or is it still the congealed blood into metal that they had before? So apparently that's some story thing that they had. Uh, in the Blood Warriors entry, they kind of talk about what he's getting at here, which is why I brought it up, um, in that it sounds like there is such a thing as congealing your own blood to make your plate armor. Uh, gnarly. There's a lot of iron and blood. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, but then it also goes on to say that some some do it that way, but then also some just get hurled into the realm of chaos where they uh, get to make their, you know, hell, or they are given gifted hell-forged armor as well. So I don't yeah. think it's a universal supply chain, um, your own congealed blood. Uh, I think there, it, there's some diversity in right. how those might get their armor. So I don't know if that's different than what was there before, but um, I think... And the entry the where they fought in Shamon and they got this metal and then they're actually forging stuff too. Yeah. And that kind of ties into the Skull Grinder, who, based on the name alone, I'm sure you can assume is the Forge Master, mm-hmm. um, where he actually like will just walk up to the camp and any forge in the camp will make itself ready for him by just creating chains. Mm. And then he'll use that to, one, 
grind skulls. Sure. But then two, to make weapons and armor. So they definitely have like blacksmiths as part of the army makeup. Mm-hmm. Some people make it cool blood armor, but there's still a few people around who do it the old fashioned way. Yeah. Real traditionalists. I get that. Uh, cool. Um, any other, which ones were your guys' favorites? I feel like we've, we've done some due diligence talking about the questions, but did, did any stand out just, I guess Paul talked about his favorite. Well, what was, what was your favorite? Out of all of these? It is a hard question for me because one, the names blend together a lot. <laughs> Cause I have no idea what any of these are. <laughs> there's blood thirsting. There's blood mastering. There's blood letting. You better you stoke, can stoke it. it. You can crush it. You can secrete it. <laughs> um, which, which one of these <laughs> is not like the others? Which one isn't a real thing? Um, yeah. yeah, it's secretors, not secretors. Um, <laughs> I, but I'm just going to go with your classic uh, Deathbringer. There's different levels of it, but it's just a dude who he doesn't care about leadership. He does, he's not a priest. He's not a ritualist. He's not doing this or that. He is, he's got a big axe. He knows how to swing it, and he's trying to be a demon prince. And I can vibe with that. He knows what he wants, and he knows how to get it. Yeah, right on. Don't invite him, though, to a uh, bring a dish dinner, though. <laughs> you know what he's going to bring? He's going to bring death. He's going to bring it again. Well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So one note. Um, all right, my favorites. I, we are, I asked a question about the flesh hounds, but I think the flesh hounds are probably my favorite because they're such good, good boys. Um, and the, the models are fantastic. And it seems like to me that, I don't know if they're overshadowed. It just it was so long ago where they, were in, where they first got released in that Slanesh corn box, whatever the name is. I can't remember. Wrath and Rapture. No, I do remember. Yeah. Um, and it, it I, did, I feel like they didn't get their, their, their due uh, when they got released. Um, and so I think they're such... Good boys, good models, uh, good times. Um, so flesh hounds are probably my face. All right, moving right along. What? Let's talk about some of these sub-factions. Uh, I don't know how the sub-factions used to exist before. I feel like I used to know some. I kind of have a corn ar- army, kind of. And so I was aware of some that don't seem to be on the list anymore, and I think some of these are new. So um, I'll ask you guys, which ones were your favorite and why? Please explain your answer. I like the Baleful Lords. Um, because of their color scheme, which hey, yeah, like um, that's super cool because they have black armor, um, which is something we really haven't seen. So the black and red, as opposed to red and black, which is a completely mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. color scheme. Um, but they are basically like the baddest, uh, as in like the coolest and the best. Like I'm, I'm using some like hip slang here to yeah, get my. So <laughs> But they are the most effective of the Bloodthirsters, um, of the Legions in general. And so they get thrown in against the mightiest warriors to go and really, like, you know, take some skulls because they're awesome like that. So One thing I love about their entry, and I think the the Baleful Lords are one of the new sub-factions. I believe that's true. And I don't know if that's, like, new just game-wise or new lore-wise either, but... When we were talking about Corn winning the great game up until this point, it's because of the, the Baleful Lords. Their full-time job is fighting in the Realm of Chaos. They take breaks to go to the Mortal Realms to fight the biggest people in the Mortal Realms just to like stretch their legs before they get back into it. So they're Yeah. Let's go on vacation, right? Like I'm tired of just like beating up on demons. Let's go like actually kill some things that don't come back in a thousand years, please. Yeah, fighting a bunch of Draconith, I could use the break. Let's do it. 
oh no, guys, it turns out the Baleful Lords did exist previously. It sounds like they are from the Wrath of the Ever Chosen book. So I think they had some subfactions in those in that like like that campaign yeah. book, and I think they got promoted to like full time, real time, full time uh, battle tome here. So Fair okay, enough. interesting. Um, has there not been a corn book since the Wrath no. of the Ever? Chosen? Same thing happened with the Gloom Spike Gets though. About like oh. the Jaws of Mork um, was a, I think it was a white dwarf actually subfaction that got promoted to the battle tome. Interesting. All right. Very cool. So, I mean, yeah. so it's new maybe then for, for a battle tome for corn. So no word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when they come up with creative reasons why they introduce a new thing that should have always existed, but we've never seen it before. And so the Baleful Lords did what uh, Will was saying is that like, oh no, they were busy in the realm of chaos, which is why you weren't seeing them. And now, yeah. now they're here. That's why they're here. Um, that's, that's a pretty good reason. That's a good justification, I think. Yeah. Um, so good, good fashion. Uh, Will, did you have a fave that you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm going to go with the flayed, uh, only because like some of the other sub factions are like, these people get the most blood and these people get the most skulls. Uh, and I Those are the ones before. I wouldn't have to talk about, Will. Thank you very much for making You're it. You're welcome. Right yeah. It's, it's going to be so much harder for you. <laughs> um, but the flayed, their focus is more on like corn as a religion i mentioned them before like they actually try to get corn's power through demonic runes and their focus is on like the slaughter priests and the ritualists and all of that they're led by just such a cool named character what drax kala gore speaker which almost sounds like an orc name kind of uh you know she calls the draxes and she calls herself the queen of slaughter which is why i thought it was cool um, but yeah, just seeing that like there's more to corn than just bloods or just skulls. Like it is, it is a religion. He is a god, and he's got his faction that are the ones that worship and pray to him the most. Sure. Uh, some like Will's uh, unceremonious joke before, but some of these some factions are <laughs> specifically about like, all right, well they, they're really good at collecting skulls, or like they like go after the biggest and baddest skulls, which is interesting. It, it, can be their shtick. Everybody can have a shtick. That can be their that can yeah. be their shtick. It's worth mentioning that uh Corgus Cole's subfaction is the Gortide, which are essentially like the default vanilla. Your hammers of Sigmar um faction. So I'll, I'll bring him up so everybody knows who they are. Everybody knows who the 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 default faction is essentially. So I think the Gortide is literally like uh it's like a nationality almost. That's how many of them there are. Like it's, it's yeah. a huge, huge civilization isn't the word because it's opposite of that but um and so it's this gore tide obviously presume obviously spending most of their time in action because that's where corgus cole's hailing from though i think a lot of them now are in gur because they're doing gur stuff um but it's they are the embodiment of really everything that corn holds dear and so um if you thought that for whatever reason corn wasn't going to have a default subfaction surprise they do um it's this this gore tide um I guess I won't keep going. That defeats the purpose of everybody having one. So um, there's other, some <laughs> other good. If you like taking skulls, go ahead and take the skull taking one. What are they called? The skull, skull fiend, fiend tribe. Skull fiend tribe. Yeah. So maybe check that one out. If skulls are your thing, um, but if they are, maybe you should go talk to somebody. I don't yeah. think that you should be concerned about them. <laughs> I'll say one thing that does bother me is the skull fiend tribe has like black armor, but the flayed have skull colored armor. And it's like I feel like that should be switched. 
Oh, geez. Good. I, that's good. No, that's what we're here for. That's that those those uh, biting critiques. Yes. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right. Uh, special character time. There's a lot in this book. I'd be curious to know which fashion is the most special characters. I bet you this is up there. Um, we don't necessarily need to go over all of them because there are so very, very many. But did you guys have any spe- fave special characters that you wanted to gab about? I mean, I like cool. He's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, he's, a, he's got a great model. Um, he he's, has a, a great story. He's got some evolution going on throughout the mortal realms. Like, I, I just think he's cool. Let me let me pause for a sec. That's a good reason. And you you preemptively answered the question I'm about to ask, but I, I should have led with another one from Domir, patron of the show. Thank thank you, Domir. Um, but they ask out what is the best character in the corn book for story reasons, which frankly are the only reasons that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. So recontextualizing it sounds like you like core cool for many reasons story reasons being one of them the only mm-hmm. ones that matter uh will did you have a favorite character for story um, reasons what's the best honestly it's Korg is cool um <laughs> yeah i love like i don't know he's just so he's such an intimidating presence um and i also just kind of love this is going to sound like i'm dissing him but he's kind of like the bellicor of mortals because he all he wants in the realms is to be a demon prince that's his whole purpose there are people who can become a demon prince after like one decent fight this dude has been killing in the name of corn since the age of myth he's been killing it for sure he's been crushing it he's like the number one mortal in corn's entire army and has been doing it for over 500 years and Corn's just like, mm, not yet, bud. We'll review next quarter. See if you're eligible for the promotion. I was make that joke. Yeah, uh, yeah no, agreed. Talk about a crass stealing. <laughs> right. Like, I wonder how many of his followers have been promoted before him. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? Like, he's only like 157 years old. I've been doing this for 545 years. Yeah, it started at a salary bigger than, you know, higher than his salary. Uh, yeah. yeah. But his retirement. But be super awesome at this point. I mean, like after you work for a company for five hundred something years, right? Like, is it going to be awesome? I don't. Know. I wouldn't be optimistic. They're going to. He's going to have a place of honor. His skull right next to corn over there. <laughs> you got it. It's IRA. Um, it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, Corvus Cole definitely is the best. Um, I, in that he seems kind of like the default answer because he's been around for so long. But I think that is what makes him great. He's uh, to some degree is an unknown quantity, but like he also shows up the most in the book and like does the most moving forward mm-hmm. true yeah like the whole i feel like the whole faction sort of turns on his wheel that's not a that's a that's not a phrase i just made that up um but point is is he's he's up turns on the fulcrum of cool yeah i was gonna say ful- i was yeah. trying to use the word fulcrum in there that's exactly what i was thinking about anyways but i'll talk about karanak because we talked about the claws of karanak we talked about how the flash are probably my favorite in the range so uh, Karanak is Korn's personal hunter. He's the goodest of the good boys. He's got three heads. He's a flesh hound or something more than that. Um, I didn't, I never really knew what the heads meant. I just, I can't, can it just be three heads? Is that not n- enough? Is three heads not just imposing? But no, they each have their thing. They got to have their mm-hmm. things, right? Um, and so one of them is, uh, so since he's his hunter, he hunts down uh, craven, you know, warriors or magic users, or it, there's no rhyme. Or, no mortal could comprehend the rhyme or reason as to why Korn would send Karanak after somebody. Um, and one of the heads sniffs them out. He can sp- he talks about smelling s- spore. I mean, he could just smell the blood. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to stoop down to the level of smelling 
spore, but so so be it. It's a hound. It smells really good. That makes sense. I understand that. I can I can grasp that. Next head uh, sees through time. Wait, what? Uh, that seems like a step beyond uh, what a head <laughs> ought to be able to do. And like the one head is like, I'm I'm smelling poo over here, and you're seeing through time. What the hell? Um, that's it, it. It seems like a disparity there, but that doesn't stop. Uh, at that point, the third head can read dreams. Um, again, way more impressive than somebody who's smelling. In other words, the feces, I think. I was trying to think of a third word for what that is. Um, that first head got a raw deal. Yeah. Poor doggo. Um, he's seeing dreams and like thoughts and stuff when he's hunting down his prey. You, can, you can't escape in your own mind. You have to go crazy if you literally want to hide from uh, this this dog. Um and also, never go to the bathroom if you want to escape them. So, uh, yeah. those are the three heads. I learned something reading this book. Do, do you know uh, why Karanak's so good at tracking? I can't even guess. Tell me. Because he's a bloodhound. Oh. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I wonder if that's even where they came up with, like, in terms of like having hounds in the first place. I wonder if that was the original idea of a flesh hound, however many decades ago when like they were invented. Maybe. We can't be the yeah. first people to think about it, right? Like, yeah. I, I I have to assume so because I assume they were like, oh, because everything else starts with blood. Mm-hmm. They probably went, bloodhound. Oh, actually. <laughs> wait a second, guys. Yeah. There's something there. We're honest with them, but why wouldn't they? I mean, why wouldn't they call them bloodhounds? Though? They've already right. proven that they have no uh, hesitation to add blood in front of everything. Anyways, um, any other special characters that you want to bring up? There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, Valkia the Bloody, I like just because... She's fierce, she's strong, she'll take other demons and make them her shield. Mm-hmm. And this book, it does it again, where it says that she was killed as a mortal and is reborn as a demon of corn. But her war scroll still says mortal and doesn't say demon. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is there. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I want to, I'm, I'm for these, these uh, observations. Yeah. Well, I just remember it happened the last time. So it's like, I'll look to see if they corrected it. Nope. nope. It specifically says she was reborn a demon and then also specifically doesn't say demon. No, yeah, with such luck. Um, it's noteworthy because a chunk of these folks did come from the old world. Um, yep. But given that they're demons, I am more okay with them being ported over because like the very nature of being a demon is that you can sort of persist. And so I'm wishy-washy about how generally I feel about the old characters being brought over, but demons make pretty good sense to me so i'm fine with it um there would be nice to see more new models i guess skull takers new that's a new model but the rest of them are pretty old i think yeah though and from grim still i am from grim does have a new bloodbound or um, um, blood bowl model right oh yeah so Mm -hmm. anyways uh carrying on so uh did you guys have any other thoughts before i ask more listener questions that didn't seem to fit anywhere else up above no all right, I'll start with an easy one, just to just get the to prime the pump, so to speak. Um, dog tired patron of the show asked another one. Thank you very much. Uh, does corn like blood or skulls more? What do you guys think? Blood or skulls more? I think skull. He built a th- skulls. I think he built he's built a throne out of skulls. He's not sitting mm-hmm. in blood. Pants all wet. That's exactly the answer and reasoning that I was going to give. So yeah. Also, corn cares not from where the blood flows. So at some point, he cares not. Right. Sure. Yeah. So he'll take for any blood, but he only wants good skulls. Yeah. True. Right. Yeah. I don't, they never really talk about whether there is such a thing as good or bad blood. Uh, yeah. Or do they? No. No. I thought you were going to say skulls. They do talk about good or bad yeah, skulls. No. Definitely good or bad skulls. That's for sure. So mm-hmm. all the more reason that I think skulls are probably, which is odd, 
because he's the blood god and not the skull god. I don't even the term skull god isn't really used all that much, right? No. Skull throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Food for thought. You could call dog tired. Um, and then uh, he also asks, um, or they also ask, uh, what if a species doesn't have a skull, like some sort of octopus people? Uh, does he just let them chill? Did they ever talk about like skullless things and how he deals with that? No, but they still have blood. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess the blood has its place. It has its purpose. By all means, is he, he's not anti-blood. He likes them both. No. Well, I guess it comes down to what do you classify as a skull, right? Does it have to be a head? Or does it have to be like the place where That's, the brain is? Does it have to be bone? Does it have mm-hmm. to be bone? That's a good question. Sure. Right? Like, I mean, well, do you have a bunch of shark's teeth? Or like Why does it have heads? to be bone? Because I bet he would take a skull from like a, what's the ogre mount thing that's really made of stone? Stone horn. Oh, stone right? horn. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll take that. Rock. Oh, yeah, he'd yeah. totally take that. Yeah, yeah. that's his for sure. I mean, like, so the the Idenf have sharks, right? Like, he would totally take a shark skull. Like, who wouldn't want a shark skull hanging in their boudoir? Yeah. And that's technically cartilage. It's not bone. Nothing gets me going more than shark head. True. Right, what's your tangent, Will? Well, my tangent is like, let's take it a step further. People who don't have skulls or blood, night haunt. He's still not going to let them chill because they're in the way of him getting other skulls and blood. True, true. And he hates Nagash, so he's going to fight him anyways. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone is really kind of safe from corn getting what he wants. No one's chilling. No chill, that corn, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Domir has another question too. Well, okay, so I'll bring it up now. Patron of the show, Demir. This is this that was fun. We were having fun with the skulls and blood thing, but this is a serious one, guys. Let's put our serious faces on. Domir uh, asks, um, after all the things we've talked about, does corn have compelling stories? What do you guys think? Do you think the corn stories are compelling? Think about the stories we've talked about in this book, maybe stories that you've experienced outside of this book. Do you think corn is a compelling storied individual or his faction? I know he can be. I've read a few that are. I don't think there are many in this battle tome that fit that criteria. Like, Corgus Cool is a compelling character. We kind of talk about how silly the story of the Orb Infernia was. Not the most compelling thing, but, like, there are compelling characters, and there is the capability of those characters having stories that are compelling. And I think that is more in Black Library purview than it is something you'll find in one of these books. Nice. And we'll talk about Black Library in just a mere moments. It's literally the next thing on my list. Paul, do you think Corn has compelling stories? Again, I think the Black Library stories are super compelling. I think the this is something we'll talk about, I think, when we talk about the battle tome itself, is that putting Corn in a book by itself, as opposed to within the other four gods, really limits... Um, limits the the different ways that you can attack the story and so like corn would attack a story uh uh, the individual stories themselves i think are are relatively compelling uh, and i enjoyed them but like reading them all together it's not that they're not compelling it's that there's not a ton of variety and so it's harder to judge what is compelling and what is not because you're reading the same kind of idea back and forth and so it, it it's hard for me to say that the, the the stories are super compelling because it is a lot of murder, a lot of skulls, a lot of death, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, I don't have too much more to add other than what you guys just said. So, like, in reflection on some of the stories that are, like, earlier in this book in terms of, like, the timeline and stuff, it was a lot of corn found this 
other faction and then he killed that other faction didn't even spend a lot of time like getting creative with that other thing a lot of times those short stories in the timelines it's oh here's this unique take on whether it's the faction in the book or the enemy of the faction in the book and here's how what they dealt with this new unique thing that we've never seen before it's a lot of times in the battle tones it's an opportunity for things to get wacky for like things you've never seen before and it's mm-hmm. you can't dedicate words to it elsewhere so here's where you do it where you can really shake off the chains you didn't really see that in this book all that much and i think that's because it's corn. I don't think it was like just that author of that day didn't feel like getting wild. I think it was just yeah. the nature of writing a corn book. Um, and so I think it's harder to tell compelling stories with corn, this battle tome being yeah. an example of that, but it's not impossible. Um, and so I think them diversifying or like broadening the scope of what a follower can corn can look like in this battle tome may lead to more interesting things down the line, like uh, in using those, you know, new tools in the tool belt, the, the cults of blood, um, which we've already seen in new cults of blood being unique out in the world. Um, this new ritualist, et cetera, et cetera. Like I think yeah. it, you need to broaden what corn is first, and then you can start telling more, 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 more interesting stories going forward, which is not to say that they don't exist already. Um, which then is going to be my lead into, we had mentioned black library and the opportunity for interesting corn stories. It sounds like we might have some examples. Uh, did you guys have any particulars that come to mind? Black library, interesting corn stories that you think the listeners should check out. Yeah. So the newest one, especially should be familiar for those who listened to our previous episode is God Eater Son. Mm-hmm. Not saying that this is a book that is about corn necessarily, but is a story about a, uh, a dude dealing with chaos and corn just happens to be like one of the main gods that are talked about. And you see several different types of followers of corn and they all don't like each other because they feel like, well, you're worshiping corn wrong, mm-hmm. uh, which is a super cool take to see. Like, to see people who worship the same God, but looking at it from different perspectives and how it's not all people foaming at the mouth, just looking for a reason to kill. There's, there's more depth to it, which is really nice. No parallels to real life at all. Not at all. We found there. (laughs) So very interesting. Uh, Paul, did you have any black library stories you wanted to, but I have to oh. echo God Eater's Son, uh, mm-hmm. not not only because I just read it, but because it, it made the most compelling why you would become chaos, but also mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's, it's hard when you talk to the author and like get his opinions on it and then you read it and you're like, oh, I see everything that you did and you did it super yeah. fun and super well. And because we talked about it beforehand, I was able to notice that while I'm reading, right? You know, so... Um, yeah, I would definitely. What you're saying is we should sense. do we should do more author interviews. Then is what you're saying because it seems to enrich yes. the reading experience. Perhaps. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Also, I, I like it. on the cover of the book, the main character uh, held far held fall has the cool mouth torso that like Corgus Cole and some of the coolest corn models have. Oh. So if you just like the corn mouth torso, it's got it on the cover. So you might as well read the whole if thing. That's your one thing. Uh, check. <laughs> I mean, he looks super cool, but brushing your teeth, it's going to be kind of hard to do. It the all day thing. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you start right over again. Um, need a mop. This is going to sound disingenuous because I actually did not read it, but I've heard from plenty of people who really enjoyed Red Feast by Gav Thorpe, which is the story of Corgus Cole. Um, and it, 
despite the fact that it seemed as if it was going to be a series that didn't end up going anywhere, um, it seems so foundational and fundamental to Corn that if you were a Corn fan, I feel like you probably have already read this novel, and if you hadn't, you should probably check it out. Um, so he was pretty good. Um, and then like Corn was a big deal back in earlier Age of Sigmar, which didn't necessarily always have the best fiction, but I think some some stories did jump out from back then. I mean, hell, if you want to, like, the day one, like, Corn was the bad guy. And so Gates mm-hmm. of his year is, uh, I mean, again, it's very, very early days, Age of Sigmar, but, like, very large presence in that. I think it's, you'd call it a novella by Chris Rate. And um, finally, I'm sorry, I just took a lot. Um, so one of my favorite Corn characters is Ahazian Kell, um, written by Josh Reynolds. And so he's in um, The Road of Blades, but he shows up in a couple of other Josh Reynolds stories as well. But um, it's this uh, B.A. Corn. I don't even know what his title is. It's probably got blood in the title somewhere. Um, but he is uh, this conqueror of the Kells, um, this storied race of, or, you know, uh, civilization of people. Uh, it spawned Katak uh, Kell, one of the Stormcasts. And so this dynamic between this um, corn bloodbound dude and this um, Stormcast guy, which I think the storyline was, was cut short because Josh Reynolds didn't get to get, continue, continue writing about them. Um, but one of my favorite corn uh, representations is real cool um, back and forth dynamic there. So I really, even though yes, another example of something that didn't get finished, I really recommend following the adventures of um, a hazy and Kel real cool dude. All right. Uh, so there are compelling stories to be found with corn. I do believe. Um, now let's talk about whether or not this was a compelling battle zone. Let's focus back up on the thing that we're talking about. I would be curious to know finally what you guys thought about the battle tome as a whole. Uh, we'll start with, uh, will, will I am, um, what'd you think? Give us a little review of the battle tome. Yeah. So I, I just have an issue with like how things are named. It's hard to follow. <laughs> I made jokes about it, but also like it's a real it's a little bit easier to kind of keep track of characters and like, oh, it says this is Skull Taker. Is Skull Taker a person? Is Skull Taker a title? What's a Skull Taker? And it actually is a really, yeah, it's a really cool title of a specific individual. Nice, mm-hmm. awesome, cool. Um, I felt like too too much of this book is like, and here's a story where they did a real good job of blood. Um, and I felt like it wasn't the most compelling thing. Mm-hmm. There are some things of corn that I wish we saw a little bit more of, like those invocations we mentioned. The book doesn't talk about them. We talked about them. And when you're adding a new model about someone who is scarring the realms with blood invocations, I kind of assumed that they were going to play a bigger role. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was a bit that was dropped a little. All right. So I would say overall, I'm going to give it a five and a half, six out of eight Gore Chosen. Nice. Um, nice. Like it, it wasn't a bad book, but it didn't do a great job of like reeling me in or like being super compelling mm-hmm. in my opinion. Fair enough. Uh, Paul, hey, what'd you think? Uh, what'd you think of the battle? Um, I also had a, a harder time with this one. Um, I've, and, and I kind of like said my main point earlier, which is that I, I really enjoy corn when he set in opposition to other forces in the same book, um, when it was in Warriors of Chaos and Warhammer Fantasy Battles, right? Like when you've got the the opposition in the same book itself, it's a lot more intriguing and interesting for me to read the contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think it is a poorly written battle tome, um, but it, it's just not super compelling to me. And that being said, I've never really liked Corn that much. 
Um, I've always liked Slanesh or Azint more or Nurgle. Um, and so this is not the battle tome for me because I don't really care for the god himself, as it were. He can hear you. I know. And 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 there may be a brass skull crushing my house at any moment. Um, <laughs> can I hear your stuff? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, it's just, it's not my favorite. Um, you know, like everybody has their not favorite. So in 40K, a lot of people don't like Tau or they don't like, you know, Space Marines yeah. or whatever. So in what? They don't like what? I know, right? Uh, so this is just not my favorite. So um, I, I did read it. I did enjoy aspects of it for sure. Um, but I'd probably give it about four of eight. So Ooh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, I'm right in, the, in line with you guys, and I'm trying to put my finger on whether it's the books, like if it's is it the book or is it the faction, um, or mm-hmm. it's probably some combination of the two. Uh, faction in that yes, corn is fairly one note, and I can see that they're doing what they can to try and branch out, and I think they're just like they're the seeds that are there. They're they're starting to try and branch out what corn is, but it's probably going to take a while for it to be a really like diversified type faction because uh, as everyone can probably ascertain it's it's fairly one note um which is fine like it that was enough for the longest time but like as as time goes on in the age of sigmar like as we like as the setting progresses i think every fraction is going to have to grow and broaden and corn has a lot of room to do that i think or it, it ought to have a lot of room to do so um for it to be more interesting um however the problem maybe i one problem that i mentioned before with the book itself then is if if Corn's going to be one-dimensional. Then you need to flower. You need to season this battle tome as much as you can with like wacky stuff to sort of like offset the um, singular focus of what corn is. And oftentimes I go to that that timeline. Like I mentioned before, I don't want to repeat myself, but the timeline and having wacky, interesting stuff. Those little blurbs to really spark the imagination. Um, and it, the book didn't really go that far. Even like if if you're going to put a one-dimensional army up against something very interesting, that can be compelling in its own right. Yeah. Like Paul said, like contrasting uh, faction against you know their adversaries um but even that was they found seraphon and they killed seraphon they found fire slayers in a mountain and they killed Ser- fire slayers in a mountain that's really what it boiled down to um so even on that front it it left a little bit to be desired um also there's there's been so many corn books they probably did a lot of that previously and they're just running out of things they can't just mm-hmm. say the same things well, over and over again right so it's hard it's to one of those about. things because we've had so many of this and it is a relatively confined out of the chaos gods it's definitely the most confined way of worship right mm-hmm. yeah. um there's a lot of they've painted themselves into a corner with the lore and you really have to search for those little nuggets to move it forward yeah. right i i will say like the reason i scored the book lower it's because I feel like they have done a lot of newer things. They just weren't as prominent in the book. Things like Claws of Karanak, things like the Ritualist, the Flayed being more like worshiping and prayerful versions of corn. All of the pieces are kind of there. And I just personally feel like the book didn't do a great job of bringing those out. Yeah, exactly. To my, yeah, to my point, the seeds are there. They're very clearly trying. Like these, these are the efforts of yeah. somebody, I think, they, of, of someone who realizes that court needs to branch out. And yeah. those are great ways to do so. And I think it, it's how do you have a, a battle tome that both highlights that new stuff, but ensures that like the person who's never read anything about corn before picks that book up and also gets caught up too right so like it's hard to balance that i don't i don't know what the right answer is or the best way to go about doing it um so yeah i i 
it may speak to the idea that it took us so long to do a corn book because I don't know anybody who was particularly excited to do the corn book. Um, but <laughs> we, we did it now. Anyways, as far as numbers go, I think I was closer to, um, maybe not as, as low as Paul, I think a, a, a five or a half or in six. And maybe I'll go to six because there, those new things existed. If those, yeah. the ritualist, the the, the Rondel thing, um, all those relatively newer things, uh, they could have made a book that didn't have any of that, right? And they didn't right. address those things and then it would have been way worse for it. So the fact yeah. that they put a... a, a valiant effort into it um earns it some points in my book all right cool honey final thoughts before we wrap it up um no just i hope that like down the road they add more of that stuff or at least focus more of that stuff yeah, i just too. feel like if the lens just looked at that more I, my answer would be different and so i hope down the road that they do that i hope down the road they add corn cores because, man, do I love it. Do I love a cycle? <laughs> a set. Um, all right. Well, with that, it's time for our reforging. But Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord. Drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at The Mortal Realms. And, Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. And, Will, where can they find you on the Internet? at Age of Sever on Twitter or on the Discord as Sever. Perfect. And I'm Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at DosAsos, and you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Yeah, there's a lot of one-way conversations I find when I'm editing. Like, there's literally a long pause, and I'm sitting there like, what's going on? And I just hear Paul go, Will's probably wondering what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's I am That's Paul. <laughs> yeah. No, you're Will. Yeah. Cool and great and cool. God, I won't be able to – I got to do this real quick. I just want to see – and get it started. We have things to do. What are you doing? Just want to Let's see. Let's get it started. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's um, get it started. Yeah. <laughs>